Um, but that being comfortable with being uncomfortable is is uh, is an art form, and it's something that needs to be practiced, right? And and you need to go back to it and continuously try and work on that craft. And I, I completely empathise with that of being a little bit scared of of going into a you know a a, a position where you don't know what's going to come up. You don't know how it's going to go down. Like you want everything to go by the book. Like I understand that. I understand that a lot. How, how have you ended up um, getting through that, mate? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's just putting myself out there so much over the years and, you know, just, um, you know, doing so many different presentations, networking, you know, having a market myself that, uh, uh, you know, my background might be a little similar to yours. I'm not exactly sure too much of your background, but I think yours is more uh, coaching. Mine is, yeah, one-on-one personal training, you know, mostly working in the gym with folks, you know, for about seven, eight years before I was a dietitian. So, um, yeah, I guess it's just kind of putting myself out there over and over and over again. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird place, the gym, to to be an introvert right especially if you're if you're the coach or the trainer and you've got to be at the front telling people what to do you're like hey like you know i'm really uncomfortable in this position but i'm gonna have to quickly get used to it because this is how i'm gonna pay my bills and keep the roof over my head you know and our passion too right we love what we do and we love helping people and i guess it's gone straight into it's married up into uh the dietitian field too is like you're gonna have to speak to people you're gonna have to be the center of attention a lot of the time and that's that's a difficult thing for people that don't want to do that. <laughs> it is, but hey, I guess I get comfortable with over the years, and mm-hmm. I didn't used to regard myself so much as an introvert. But I feel like as I get older, through graduate school, um, I don't know, I've just kind of became more introverted a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, but just kind of have to put yourself out there even so. So I'm an extroverted introvert, I suppose. I think you've all got to we got to put that mask on or that hat on, right, and uh, and play that role like. We live in a we live in a world where you got to shout to be heard. So, you know, if you're super shy and kind of not really do anything and sit in the corner and do your thing, like you you're not really going to get anywhere. Yeah. Not help anyone. That's that's the ultimate goal, right? So, tell me your journey, brother. Like I'm fascinated on this. I think you do real real cool work. Um, so tell me your journey, how you get here, and then also what you do. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so I don't know how far to take it back, but um, you know, I guess it, my journey in terms of starting with becoming a trainer, uh, a fitness trainer, was just starting college undecided, just kind of going to right out of high school, not having much direction, not knowing exactly what I wanted to study or why to study. You know, go to college, I just felt like it was like the thing to do. I kind of needed to in some senses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up getting interested. Fitness sparked my interest. Uh, um, in my, that first semester or two. So that kind of opened the door up to helping others and making a career out of helping others. And ultimately just finding some passion in that ability to help educate and coach folks to take control of their health and, um, just have a better accountability and, and charging control of our health outcomes ultimately is kind of what inspired me to Uh, educate folks and then that once I started practicing in the gym as I was continuing studying undecided just started to open my mind up to the dietitian role I started to hear about that I'm like hmm you know I started to appreciate the nutrition side of 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 helping folks achieve results and health outcomes even more than what I was doing in the gym and what I was practicing so that kind of evolved that initial passion for fitness uh, was something greater for food and nutrition 
under, understanding that on a deeper level. So I knew I needed to get a little more credentials and um, you know, I guess understanding of, of, of what that really meant from a career path. So you know, I'm just committed to that. Um, and took me a little bit longer than I than I planned getting through college, but hey, you know that's works for a lot of us. That's life. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You're gonna have to uh, go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, a couple of years, you know, starting my career as a dietitian, uh, got tremendous clinical experience working in like six different clinics and doing some community teaching and involved with the academy and all this great professional involvement. But found myself a couple of years into my career away from my hometown because I moved to start my career, just kind of disconnected and felt really discontented because I was achieving everything I wanted professionally, but mm. felt like I just felt so disconnected from my loved ones, my friends, my family. I needed to come back to my hometown. So two years into my career, I kind of just serendipity. I, well, initially got frustrated and then out of serendipity and ended up falling into behavioral health, which is kind of where I've been at for the past four years, specializing in my career. And then ultimately became an author uh, writing about kind of that role of nutrition for mental health and helping folks understand what that really means. That's kind of my niche specialty because I fell into a pretty unique position work as a dietitian in a behavioral health organization. Since not many dietitians get that opportunity. Mm. So guess it's kind of the, the abbreviated past uh, five years or so kind of um, yeah condensing it all <laughs> that's beautiful man that's a that's a beautiful journey and I think it's a it's definitely a niche um, but it's a fascinating fascinating niche, niche of a behavioral health right and and mental health through the nutrition realm and I would love to hear more about that man like that seems like a rabbit hole that could take you in many many places but people wouldn't know where to start like nutrition as a whole is and and mental health too right is is a minefield right it seems like wherever you put your foot you're going to step on a mine and it's game over you're like what the fuck do i do where do i go how do i start right now you've just combined those two things together and it's like you play a minesweeper on the computer and you turn it to like 999 mines there's about three squares you can choose that that won't blow up. So like, what's that like, man? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to answer that question because, you know, I could talk, you know, the whole podcast about nutrition for mental health and kind of piecing that out. Um, you know, it, 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 and it's a fascinating time to talk about that as a dietitian, because we've only kind of began to really understand that on a deeper level as of the past one to two decades, a little bit more than that on certain aspects and, uh, areas of research, but in terms of the intimate knowledge of the research between like the gut brain axis and understanding the, the, the effects of the microbiota, the gut microbiome, for example, that research has expanded so greatly in the past couple of years. So that's a big piece of the discussion of understanding how what we eat, our food choices affect our mental health is gonna be our gut microbiome. That's one of the biggest pieces of the conversation there. Now, what affects our gut microbiome? lots of different things, our lifestyle, stress, lack of sleep. Um, you know, so there's a lot of lifestyle factors and I couldn't just talk about nutrition in the book. I realized that early in my journey of writing. So I needed to talk about those lifestyle factors because we can't just sit here and talk about eating healthy and improving your mental health. Because if you're not sleeping for crap, 
you know, even you and I, we went back and forth on making this meeting happen. You know, you at first, our first day, you know, you didn't have enough sleep and, you know, we, we rescheduled, no big deal. You know, I, I respect that. I really do because sleep is really important to me too. So I'm going to put that ahead of my meeting sometimes or, you know, just making sure I get that sleep. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a tangent, you know, pull me back. Nutrition for mental health. Um, yeah. So the gut microbiome is a lot of that conversation. And, you know, in other words, when we have dysbiosis, uh, that off balance of bacteria in our gut that is linked to so many different health conditions, like you name it, it runs the gamut. Now, link is not, cor- or correlation is not causation. So we got to be careful there. Again, this is an interesting place to be as a dietitian and nutrition for mental health. So because the research is kind of early and not a lot of it's not cause and effect that we really understand that on that level. So I got to kind of be careful how I present some of this research. Um, but we are, I feel like around the corner from developing guidelines, from having more randomized controlled trials and understanding the, these links on a much deeper level to where we can start to talk about cause and effect. Mm. Uh, let me give you one example. Like some researchers are arguing about the inflammatory theory of depression. So like the chicken, chicken and the egg, we don't know, is it not just that chronic inflammation might be contributing to depression for a lot of folks, but in some cases it might be causing major depression, Mm. uh, chronic inflammation. So a bit of a tangent. And again, it's hard for me to answer that question because it's kind of a loaded question and I could just kind of whole hour about that. And I didn't know where we were going to go at this hour. So you let me know how focused and how you, you, brother, you can go wherever you want to go with this. I'm fascinated on this topic. I think it's so apparent to, to where we are in the world at the moment, right? Western diets have, or modern diets as a whole, really, have, have created into this like very strange thing and, you know, strip all the nutrients away from it. And we wonder why we're relying on pharmaceutical help. We wonder why we're feeling like garbage when we're working from home we don't move there's lack of sunlight the stress has gone up the sleep has gone down you know we're arguing with people all the fucking time we don't exercise or if we do it's very little and it's like um guys you know there's a there's a lot to talk about here but we're doing none of it right so i think it's i think this this conversation is really apparent for at like right now we're coming out the ass end of a pandemic right it's been two and a half years of this thing and and I'm in a country that's still locked up, right? And it's like, guys, like, okay, we have the issue at hand right now, the short term. Okay, we need to do some things to fix the short term, but you can't completely neglect the long term, right? You can't do it. It's like tying my fucking laces on my left foot and shooting myself in the right foot and telling myself to go for a run. That's, that's dumb. It's not going to work. Um, so I think, uh, I think your work is, is so cool, man. I'd love to hear more about the book too. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, I, you know, I tried to get some kind of, uh, I guess, um, I don't know, develop some sort of a narrative because it was very challenging to, uh, I guess, piece together these challenging topics because you got nutrition and kind of making some take home messages and understanding of that and, deliverables to a broad spectrum of readers that's challenging and then you got new mental health you know so trying to weave those together was just like I felt like was an enormous challenge took me a good 
year of research and writing that first year until I kind of wrapped my head around what I really wanted to lay it out as in terms of the parts, the chapters and kind of create a narrative. It took me a year to conceptualize that at least I feel like. Um, the first part is kind of just introducing the reader to the research links, kind of looking at anxiety related disorders, looking at major depression, de uh, depressive related disorders, um, psychosis and psychotic related disorders, schizophrenia, for example, looking at the research, looking at some of the vitamin deficiencies. Um, let me give you one example, certain B vitamins, if we have a severe deficiency of, they can cause, directly cause psychosis. Wow. So, so it's fascinating, right? You know, so I mean, how many, how many folks out there that are dealing with serious mental illness, can it be boiled down to nutrients? Again, I got to be careful. It's not all about the nutrition in most cases. You know, I don't want to come off that way, like say, hey, eat this perfectly balanced diet and you're going to cure that mental health disorder. No, yeah. you know, I know some people might misconstrue my messages and take that. I don't mean to say that by no means, but the way I describe it in group therapy, I, I get to go to group therapy on average, like once a week, you know, for, you know, join the therapist and just kind of lead that conversation and help folks understand that relationship. The way I describe it, it's a piece of the puzzle, you know, might be curing or causing some of the depression or anxiety disorders we're dealing with here, but it's a big piece of, piece of the puzzle. In some cases might be a causative factor, but we got to park that out more. We need to elevate the conversation is where I'm at in my journey and my intentions with the book, trying to just contribute to that from an objective stance as a dietitian. one, you know, with the masters. So I try to take a little bit more of a objective approach towards helping us understand that but my book is for the layman, the lay audience, non-scientific background. Mm. It's also a domino effect too, right? Like I find with people in the gym, and I'm sure your experience will dictate the same as like, you come in, okay, cool. And they get a habit of being consistent in the gym, right? It's a domino effect. Next thing you know, they've automatically quote unquote cleaned up their diet. They're no longer like smashing the milkshakes three times a day or whatever, right? They're getting a little bit more conscious about it. They're getting a little bit more sleep, right? And then it's like, okay, well, you're following those breadcrumbs by yourself because you've started, right? And I think that's that's really important uh, point to add on to, hey, don't take this out of context, right? That you got to listen to the whole conversation. you got to be part of the conversation too right? Correlation does not mean causation. Yeah. I remember that from school. That was probably one of the only things I remember from school um, of like, Hey, yeah, it, it could potentially do this. Right. And the 0.1%, it could be the only factor, but that's the 0.1%. The majority of cases we're dealing with an organic thing, right? We're complex beings. Life is like crazy enough as it is. Um, so there's, there's usually a lot of other factors that come involved. So don't take it out of context. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, 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 you know, to, I guess, go back to your broad question about explaining the role of nutrition for mental health, I briefly touched on one with the microbiome. The other major piece of the conversation, at least I find, which we don't fully understand in research, but in terms of correlation, the blood sugar problems that a lot of folks have, you know, so irregular blood sugars, you know, getting really rapid spikes in the blood sugar for meat, all highly processed foods and not taking enough fiber in the diet, not taking protein with those snack foods, those highly processed foods. Um, so when, when we're munching on those highly processed food products that lack fiber, lack protein, lack the healthy fats, 
that oftentimes, at least the folks I'm helping in clinic. Mm-hmm. So, and, and let me pause on that for a second, because I work in Phoenix, Arizona. I work in, a, in an underserved part of, of, of one of the biggest cities in the United States. You know, so it's a lot of folks who don't have private insurance. You know, they're getting served by, you know, the grants and like state funding and, you know, the, the public insurance is generally the folks that I'm serving. Um, I guess I'm getting, you know, so my message is with how I, uh, in the book, the target audience is a little bit different than the folks I'm helping in clinic day to day. And I feel like I lost track of the question. <laughs> That's all right, man. Like I, would you say it's a lower socioeconomic group that you're, you're serving on a day to day? In clinic, yes, but a little bit of a divide with um, my book target audience. There's yep. an overlap, but still a little bit of a divide. But again, you've 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 knocked three heads there, right? So you say you got your masters, you can speak really academically a lot better than I can, right? So you're knocking out that side. You're also day to day knocking out the bottom of the ladder, right, of the equation. And then you've got that little book that's going to go in the middle and you're doing a three-prong approach. And I think that's exactly right, mate. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Sometimes I get, uh, I guess, excited and passionate here and I, a lot of different topics that we're covering. I maybe get, go off on a tangent. And go for it. I'm focusing here. Oh, no, no. Let, let go for it. You know, let go of the fucking lead. Just go wherever you want to go. Right. And I'm, I'm super. So I come from the West side of Manchester. Right not a lot of pennies to go around. In fact, there is zero pennies to go around, right? So that lower socioeconomic really tugs on my heartstrings, warms my heart as well, because I love coaching those individuals. I love helping them out. I think there's some incredible human beings and some human beings that are, I just dealt a shit hand, man. And it's like, right, well, you know, for example, uh, back home, they came out with like the, the they came out with like a food plate. It was like the five a day. They came out with all these different things, right? And I'm like, okay, that's great, yeah, fine. Um, but that's gonna add an extra twenty pound a week onto your shopping, right? And not people can't afford twenty quid, right? Some people, if they're on the benefit, are getting sixty seven, I believe, sixty three to sixty seven pound a week. I was like, twenty pound is thirty percent of that, man. You know, yeah. like they haven't got anything to go by. Like, what what do you expect them to do? So it's like, how do we help them? How do we give those little nuggets of information where it might only just take you your time now, rather than you're going to have to go buy grass fed, organically produced, and it's going to cost you an extra fifteen bucks, right? It's like, no, no, no. How do we how do we help those people without taking out of their pockets? you're touching my heart right now because you're bringing me to my everyday challenges I confront in clinic, you know, mm. so it's like not the stuff I really talk or vent too much about, I guess, but you know, that's, that's the, one of the biggest challenges I confront almost daily in clinic is just trying to find, I guess, that medium of the, of that helping that patient of with their limited resources. Maybe they don't have a kitchen, you know, maybe they, they share a you know, a two bedroom apartment with six people or something, you know, so it's, it's very challenging to find those answers to eat healthier. And oftentimes it either demands a little extra time or money, you know, so it's, it's hard, you know, and sometimes we have to really rethink our day and prioritize an extra hour to prepare those healthy staples that we get for cheap, but we got to come up with recipes and, you know, kind of find ideas and practice. It's a mm-hmm. skill, frankly, you know, at least, you know, the United States where I grew up, but sadly a lot of us don't grow up with that, cooking skills like we our grandparents did 
you know, used to be passed down. I feel like it's just a lot of it's lost or at least in um, some of the, the communities that I'm helping at least. Uh, UK is the same. Okay. hundred percent. Like you, you know, you grab a subway or, you know, you can just go, we got like meal deals in, um, it would be the equivalent of like a Walmart or something. Um, you just go in, you buy like a, a sandwich, obviously processed, like a fizzy drink and like a bag of crisps. So you'd call it chips, right? You pay three pound and you'd be like, oh, it's a meal deal. It's cheap. I can kind of do that. And I was like, yeah, okay, it's cheap. And you can, I'm all about, if you're in a position where you have to do it out of necessity, like you're just back against the wall, gun to your head, you're in a really shit position. Okay, fine. And do that. But that's for a short term. And you need to know it's for a short term and you need to have the, the, the knowledge to be like, okay, I'm going to do this for a month, a month and a half to try and create that buffer to get me out of this situation. And then I'm going to start thinking a little bit wiser and, and do, do all these things. Yeah. And when you said chips and fizzy drinks, you know, it, I had to think for a second, cause that's, that's, you know, Brit, uh, English slang, which is a little bit different than what we call it here, but yeah. you know, yeah. you're speaking to the processed carbs is one thing I'm hearing yeah. as a dietitian. And that brings me back to my last tangent where I got lost a little bit is that's the other common theme I see, at least in the folks I'm helping in clinic is that irregular blood sugars, which is taking too much of those sugar sweetened beverages, too much of those processed snack foods, you know, in general. Um, so that, that irregular blood sugar spikes is going to make us feel a little more on edge. It's linked to anxiety. We can't say it's causing anxiety, but in all, in many cases, is it? Wow. You know, in my, my perception and experience as a clinical dietitian for six plus years, I would say that concept of being hangry, I'm sure you've, we've all heard hangry. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, what exactly is hangry? I don't know the clear science behind it. I've never really read much research and studies on it, frankly, but it, my understanding is it's unstable blood sugars. That's most nine times out of 10 is when we're oh, feeling man. like crap, we're starting to get angry, we're really hungry, eat anything we get our hands on it's probably because our blood sugar is tanking and we haven't been having very stable blood sugar spikes throughout the day lately. Wow. So what, what would you say would be the effect of really irregular blood sugar levels on someone's like mental health? Again, it's not the, the sole be all and end all, but what could be the effect? Yeah. It, it, I guess I got to extrapolate and look at the broader picture because, you know, if you're having chronic irregular blood sugar levels, that's likely going to lead to metabolic problems such as obesity, weight gain, diabetes, which is, I'd say, 80% of the folks I'm helping in clinic on a day-to-day -day basis. Wow. You know, one of the main problems, those metabolic problems, at least 75%. So not only those in the more, I guess, short long-term, short to long-term future, those are what metabolic problems that develop, but also in terms of trying to extrapolate some of those problems and the longer consequences of those to mental health, that's a hard answer. But I would say it's more that the, when we have that insulin resistance, which is oftentimes the precursor leading up to diabetes and obesity, that insulin resistance is also directly related to that chronic inflammation. So a lot of times we have that going on, we have one, we have the other going on in our body. Hard to say again, what is directly causing, no, but oftentimes if we have one, we have the other. So if we have that chronic inflammation, insulin resistance, that can eventually be put to the point where it's disturbing that normal regulation of our hormones, our neurotransmitters. So that then eventually is going to have the indirect effect on perturbing our mood, our energy levels, you know, potentially opening the door up to mental health disorders. Really hard to say. 
Mm. The research isn't nailing it down and clearing, you know, to give you a clear answer there, essentially. No, no. I mean, even it having the possibility to negatively impact, right, is is something that we need to keep an eye on. But um, it, it goes past, you said all those little different markers that you go past, it goes past all those. So if you get into the place where, you know, the irregular blood sugar is, is affecting you mentally, you've probably ignored all signs, right, of this is an issue. Um, but it, again, it, it pairs exactly what I'm trying to do on the, in these conversations is it pairs the mental and the physical health. They're no longer two separate entities. They are now combined, right? They are together. We have something called a neck that can that joins us together, right? We're just one being. So it would make a lot of sense that we work in synergy. You're right. And we can't separate them. You know, that, that reminds me of what I talked about at the end of my book is uh, in the afterward. So after the main narrative, um, it's kind of identifying the different lifestyle aspects and understanding again that we can't just sit here and talk about nutrition for mental health and diet because again if you're neglecting those critical lifestyle factors that also contribute you know how much benefit or we're going to really see um so the model i looked at was the eight dimensions of wellness have you ever heard of maybe no i haven't so it's basically kind of eight different dimensions of wellness and they're all interrelated. So you, you alluded to this, so you gave an analogy. I don't remember exactly what it was earlier, but you know, um, I don't remember exactly what all eight are. It's been a while since I published on or wrote about it, but what do we have our, um, even our financial, our intellectual, our social wellness, our spiritual wellness, our physical wellness, our emotional. I don't know, did I just say that? Um, yeah, maybe a couple more I'm missing. So it's eight dimensions of wellness um, and they're all, you know, if we have something negatively affect this one, that might rub off and affect that other one, that other one, right? Or benefit, you know, vice versa. I think that's so important for people to get hold of, you know, the resource to get hold of, because it's like a checklist, you know what I mean? And even just to dissect the emotion and what's going on, like you feel a little bit weird, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. You're like, ah, oh, things are a little bit off. You go back to this checklist and you be like, oh, okay, yeah, that affected this, so that's probably what's off at the moment. Oh, and also then it's going to bleed off into these areas. Oh, okay. I understand now, you know, it's, it's the awareness that, that we need yeah. in that checklist. It, 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 you're, you're reminding me for taking me back to my cl consults and clinic. It's like at the end, sometimes I find myself focusing on sleep quality to certain people. Maybe they're doing a lot of great things with their diet and I'm not going to nitpick their diet when they're doing great 80% of the time. I could always nitpick somebody's diet. They might come to me for that, but I'm not going to do that in clinic because we're not talking about some perfect diet. And if you're eating healthy foods balanced most of the time, I'm okay if you eat that cookie, that pizza, that little bit of soda, you know, but not part of your everyday choices, hopefully, or small amount if you do. Um, you know, so I try to keep a little flexible there. And again, I think I lost my train of thought in terms of where I was going with that. No, like it, it's just alluded to, you're you're giving what the individual in front of you needs right rather than just coming in and be like no you need to do this this and this for food i was like okay cool food and nutrition is one thing right that's that's one little part of the whole puzzle you come in and someone looks like super super stressed you're like cool you need a little bit more of like a a listening ear today or you come in and they got bags under their eyes like fuck dude you gotta go to sleep like get out of my clinic and go to bed you know like I don't want you to do anything. So it jeopardizes eight, nine hours of sleep. Right. And I think the 
the lack of knowledge on these things is what's crippling people. And I can even use myself for an example because I, I think this I think the podcast is actually therapy for me in the sense of I, I talk to people who are so knowledgeable in their field and I'm like, holy fuck, I never would have thought about that, right? So I'm gaining so much knowledge and then I'll just put it out on the table. I'm like, okay, cool. Now I have a checklist. Now I have some signposts and then I'll just observe. I'm super self-aware and I'm reflective and a little bit critical as well. Very critical. And I'll like analyze what the hell is going on. I'm like, oh, so the way you acted that way for that one occasion was a little bit off. Cool. If that's off, something's off. We need to get to the source of it. And sometimes it's, you know, food, right? Sometimes it's a little bit of, uh, digestional distress or whatever like i ate something different or you ate shit or whatever it is okay cool sometimes it's you sleep i only sleep six seven rather than eight okay or it's the stress or it's the environment or whatever and it's like the problem is people have no fucking idea it's like we're running a race literally running because life goes fast especially these days we're running a race blindfolded I never thought of it that way, but I love how you boil them down to uh, more simple uh, metaphors, analogies. I love it. That's one thing I do enjoy about listening to your podcast there. Oh, I, I mean, I am English, you know, we speak basically in sarcasm and metaphors. That's it. Yeah. Nice. And a lot of swearing involved. I, I, I do envy that a little bit only because I struggle with the opposite where I tend to be more verbose and sometimes get lost in the details and maybe confuse people to that point occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, honestly, seeing someone go down their rabbit hole that they, they, they're passionate about is a beautiful thing to see. You're just, just like, you fucking go, man. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna listen. I'm here to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's super cool. So, what would you say? Someone walks in your clinic, right? What are you, what are you looking for? What are the checklists you're looking for? Is there any physical, are you, are you observing them and be like, right, there's some physical signs here going on. Are you sitting them down and asking them 21 questions? Like what, what are you doing? Well, I mean, well, first of all, we have the dynamic of the pandemic. So which that means, oh, unfortunately, yeah, even when I'm in clinic, which I work three days in clinic, 10 hour shifts, and then one that one 10 hour day at home. Um, so three days I'm in clinic, unfortunately, I'm still seeing 80 percent uh, virtual appointments sadly a lot of those are on the phone and that really dilutes what i have to offer it's just not the same because i lose a lot of that uh non-verbal communication wow. and as a dietitian that's a huge piece of what we do is that interpersonal communication and i rely on that non-verbal um so that's i feel like dilutes what i do you know it's just a sad i guess little side note on the working mm. you know, as a clinician in the pandemic i don't know what to say about that um you know so there's that, which is, you know, hard to answer your question because it's there that tiny fraction of folks I'm seeing literally getting that re-opportunity to see them face-to-face -face in clinic. But before I assess anybody, whether it's the phone, the video, or face-to-face -face in clinic, I always have to look at their medical chart. So I need to look and see when did they last see their medical provider? What kind of conditions do they have that I need to address today? Is it diabetes? Is it liver disease? Maybe they're clinically underweight. And maybe, you know, that's a, sadly a common problem I see more and more in the past couple of years of the pandemic that I didn't see near as often is the clinical underweight, people struggling with depression and just being able to eat regularly. So it's sadly, it's something I see much more often. Um, wow. Yeah, so it, it, I, I have to wrap my head around that with every single patient before I do connect with them. And then I want to clarify, you know, it's a little bit of rapport, you know, you know, introduce myself and 
kind of say, you know, looking at the referral, this is a re re referral from your medical provider. They wanted me to go over some, you know, information about diabetes, heart disease, you know, or high cholesterol, specify, whatever the concern is. Just make sure that's their main concern too. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of just focusing on the main health concern because this can be overwhelming for a lot of folks. So try to always focus on one main health concern that they have. Well, maybe it's weight loss. Maybe it's managing their diabetes. You know, maybe it's gaining weight. You know, um, maybe it's just um, just feeling better. They want to look at general healthful nutrition because they're, they're respecting that relationship between their mental health already. I love that when I get somebody that comes to me and they're already identifying that link on their own and they want me to help coach them to eat healthier because they know they eat like crap and they know that relationship. They want to do something about it. Wow. That's an individual who's had some hard conversations with themselves, you know? Yeah, you're right. Recently, that, that's one thing I loved about behavioral health. You know, as challenging as it was, I found myself helping people that were at a very vulnerable point in their life. Oftentimes, whether they're just getting clean and sober, they just lost their kids. And now they're finally going to see a doctor for the first time in 10 years. Or, wow. you know, that's kind of the common situations I see in clinic day to day. Um, you know, so I think... Um, I don't know. Again, I got lost my point I was making there. <laughs> That's all right, man. That's so powerful, man. Like you're basically unraveling the human psyche in many, many, many different ways, right? You you put the hat on of the the old trainer, right? You used to coach in the gyms for you know seven or eight years. You okay, cool. I can attack it from this standpoint, and then you observing and communicating and with these people, and you're like, cool. You don't need that. So I'm taking that off. Put it aside cool, I'm going to attack it from the mental health standpoint. Oh, no, I don't need that. Okay, let's take that to the side. They're not quite ready to have that conversation yet. Cool, I'll go like the professional route of the, the dietitian. Or, oh, you just want someone to talk to. And then the next thing you know, they open up the floodgates and everything comes running out. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Now now we can get to work. And that's yeah. powerful, man. Yeah, you're right. And sometimes it does, you know, I got to be careful because I'm not a therapist and I... Yeah you got to be careful working in behavioral health because sometimes those lines get a little blurry. So I really got to be cautious of that and be careful and make sure they're connected. You know, are always looking at their medical chart. Are they seeing a therapist that I work with? You know, so I have to be cognizant of that and be careful not to blur those lines because to that point, um, I feel like sometimes through the pandemic, folks just do want to connect. They don't really care too much to hear me say for the eighth time, they need to be eating more fruits and vegetables, you know, <laughs> not doing it for the eighth, ninth, 10th time, but they still need somebody to call and check in on them, I guess, you know? Yeah. 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 This, see, this is where I think the, we'll call it the health and fitness industry, right. Is a beautiful place yet. It's also the best and the worst industry on the planet. The worst, because we shoot each other in the foot. It's like, no, my way or the highway, everyone else can go get fucked. And you're like, no, that's not the way it works. But also it could just be this beautiful synergy of all these different things as it comes together because we're going for wellness, right? We're going for health, we're going for wellness. Yet you can go towards the niche of performance. Okay, wicked, but you're still in there. Like you still need some sort of health in this organic creature because if they're not kind of healthy in some sort of way, they're not going to perform. If they're mentally screwed, they're not going to perform they're physically screwed they ain't going to perform so it's like this kind of synergy and it's intertwined of all these different things and i cannot wait till we get to the stage where everybody is just like completely liaison in with everyone it's like you know what i kind of know what i'm doing i have an inkling but then i'm going to go ask you the question 
and you're like, okay, cool. I'd, I'd hit it from this perspective. Oh, that's really interesting. I'd hit it from this perspective, the coach on the ground floor, you in the clinic, right? My good mate, I shoot him a message all the time. He's a, um, he's a chiropractor, right? So I'm like, and he's quite, um, say spiritual in the sense of he'd attack it from that sense rather than like, no, you just need to do X, Y, and Z and you're fixed. Right. He's very, very like spiritual, philosophical with it. So I'm always like, I shoot him a message, just like, Andy, what would you be thinking in this situation? Like, just kind of give me some like verbal diarrhea and let me see where you go with this. And then I'll say where I go with this. And we have this like melting pot in the middle. And we're like, wow, this is like really cool. You, you basically Sherlock Holmes, like a detective trying to figure out this, this human being in front of us. And I can't wait until everybody, um, everyone actually gets on the same page with that. Yeah. And we have to, I, I guess, I don't know, you seem to be speaking to one important point that I keep in mind is just always approaching things with an open mind. Yes. Maybe I guess in the same vein of what you were describing is that we all need to approach things with an open mind. And um, I don't know where, where else to go with that, but I guess. Yes. Yeah. I would, I would honestly put most of the blame on coaches, mainly because that's where I spend most of my time. So I usually try and just put the blame on myself in the sense of we have most amount of contact time with the individuals, right? So it's kind of like the start of everything. So then it's our responsibility to be able to branch out to everybody else. And sometimes it's referring on. Sometimes you'll, you won't see that person. You might catch up with them once a week, once a month or whatever, on a text message, a phone call or a coffee face-to-face. But it's like our responsibility rather than like this competitive nature of I want the most athletes under my wing so I gain the most, most most amount of dollars at the end of the month right and then I look better than you it's like no man like there's enough people in the world right yes there's a lot of people a lot of personal trainers a lot of coaches out there there's a lot but there's also eight billion people on this fucking planet do you think everyone is living as best as they can no we still have poverty in the world right so we still have jobs to do and it's like, all right, you lose, lose that person, great. It frees up a spot, right? They're never going to forget you because you've helped them. And now you've given that person the opportunity to be helped by someone else. And we're all here to help each other, even mm. our competitors, right? We should be, I guess, in some roundabout way. Ideally, we're all help, should be helping each other. That's just my humble opinion. But yeah, me too. I'm not, I'm not as much of a philosopher as you are by no means, uh-huh. but I've been recently fascinating yeah just diving into different like roman history and uh, reading a machiavelli and just kind of diving into a little bit of uh, western history that i never knew much about whereas in academia my last decade and a half or so i did dive a little bit into eastern philosophy but just as of recently i'm finding a sudden fascination with more western philosophy and kind of the roots there i think there's so much knowledge and wisdom to be gained from from everything in life mate you know what i mean everyone's got their own little niche their own little weird things that they like to do right that everybody else looks at and be like i wouldn't want to do that like strapping yourself to a bungee jump and chucking yourself off a bridge that's not my thing right but someone might get a kick out of it and you're like there is some sort of wisdom in everything and we've got these ancient books of like scripture right what we just kind of cast to the other side and it's the same lens that i look at religions right religion's not my thing like i'm a bit of a spiritual dude but I live my life with the only thing I know is I know nothing. Right. So that's basically it. That's how I live my life. Um, But I'm like, okay, if we've got all these like 
scrolls and books and and on all these things right that people live their life towards like reading it like this is how i'm gonna live my life there's gonna be some sort of wisdom in there there must be otherwise we're just super dumb so there must be something i could take away from that right and then if you can attack it that way and be like oh wow i'm gonna pull something from that i'm gonna pull something from this i'm gonna pull something from that and we stick it together mate we could create something insane that's why I, I feel like you're, you're highlighting some of the things that I love about your podcast and what I sense that you're doing, at least. Uh, and, and I'm wondering if you're a fan of, as I'm a big fan of, one of my favorite authors is Ryan Holiday. Do you know? Yes. Okay. All right. So you kind of remind me in one sense of what he's doing. He's the best at in terms of taking all these principles of stoicism and all these ancient thinkers, and he's taken all these great classic text and he's applying them to the problems and the thinkers and the problem solvers of today, which is, I love it. I think it's beautiful. And that's why I found so much value and stoicism has impacted my life in the past few years. So I, I see you, I guess, in my humble opinion, doing a similar thing to where you're oh, kind of the background of fitness and you're kind of trying to find some of the ancient wisdom le le lessons uh, and trying to apply that to, I guess, some of your fitness and coaching. And am I wrong? Or am I, that's my reading. I, I appreciate that brother a lot, man. Like that, that honestly like moves me. Like, yeah, I think, you know, I think good and evil is down a perception. And I think there's a lot more to the conversation. And I think there's a lot more to the conversation in terms of health and fitness. Yeah. And also like physical health and mental health, right. Bridging the gap, but also like, like everything, right. Life, like, it's physical health is how we express ourselves and mental health is how we express ourselves within ourselves. Right. And how we can live through this, this thing that we call life. And there's so much more, man. And like, I don't know, like the place I grew up in was very close minded in the sense of, cause everyone grows up on an estate, right. Very council state. I grew up in the largest council state in Europe and everyone will just kind of think one way and do the same thing. And by 19, they're married and have two kids and, they'll move literally four doors down and, and that's kind of it. Right. And I'm like, well, hold on a minute. Like if I live in a, Oh, I came from a big city, you know, I'm like, okay, well, if the city's pretty big, then the world's got to be pretty fucking bigger. Right. I'm like, well, there's going to have to be like a lot of other things around. And then you start traveling and talking to people from the, all the walks of life. You're like, wow. Okay. There is so much out there, man, that we're just not putting in the pot right? We're not bringing it into the conversation. We're not even, we're just casting it aside and be like, nah, that's, that's not for me. That's, that's, I'm like, great. It might not be for you, but it might be for someone else. Right. And that's what I, I love doing with this thing of, of bringing people on. I'm like, let's, let's dive into that. Let's go so deep into this conversation. Let's go so deep into that conversation. Like I had a lady the other day, like a sexologist, right. And I'm like, it's completely left field. I was like, cool, let's, let's go like, uh, listen to it. Actually, I, I was, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. If I yeah, recall, that was the first one. Yep. You know, it's, it, it's all part of the conversation. Right. And I think if people can just be a little bit more one self-aware and two open-minded, fuck, you're going to be one hell of a human being. hundred percent agree. Mm. I and also, it's attractive, right? In a sense of romantic, all right? You're attracted to people that's got a little bit a little bit more going for them. They're a little bit more open-minded. But also, in a sense of, oh, networking, 
So if we go to a conference event, right? You're doing a speaking about about your stuff. I'm doing a speak, speech about my stuff. And I'm a prick, right? And I carry myself like an absolute turd burger. And I'm walking around like I'm swinging coconuts between my legs and everyone else can go, go fuck themselves. You'd be like, cool. I'm not even going to go say hello. You know what I mean? I'm, you know, have a good day type stuff. But if you give off that energy with other people, the people get it and they give off a little bit more. And I can subconsciously help you and vice versa. You can subconsciously help me by doing your thing. And I can observe from, a, from afar, right? And we never even meet. And you could have impacted me, mate. That's a powerful thing. And if people understand that, oh my God. Like, and thank you. And that brings me to, I want to stop for a second just to thank Jason Wood for what he's doing. Yes. And he's the new author that uh, brought us together, That the link that how we met. So I'm just grateful for him and what he's doing and helping, you know, I, I think he's doing something similar to what my intentions with my book was, it was is that I'm trying to elevate the conversation and he's doing frankly the same thing, you know, so it's trying to elevate the conversation and, um, you know, he's not a clinician himself, but still, as long as, you know, you acknowledge that limitation, he can still add to the conversation. And, I, and I'm very grateful for what he's doing. So thank him. And I'm glad that that brought us together. So was, yeah. Great to hear 100% you. man. Jace is, uh, Jace is a top, top class lad. And, um, what he's doing is, is super inspirational in the sense of like facing his own fear, right? I know he won't mind me say this, but facing his own fear to, to help other people, mate, that is the most selfless thing you could ever do. It's the most empowering thing for yourself and also for other people that you could ever do. And it's proven to the world and more importantly, to that little voice in his head that he is a bad motherfucker and he's the boss not the voice in his head. So if anybody else is listening to this, obviously go check him out. But also like, if you are able to be self-aware enough to understand your own limitation and work with it to empower you rather than allow it to work against you. I talk about the angry man with, with, with men a lot, but I think a lot of, a lot of dudes, if in fact, all of us, right. Have an angry man inside of us. We have a bad wolf. Right. And, for some of us, it's a little bit louder than others, right? But if we're able to control that motherfucker, right, and use it and put it into passion, put it into a constructive avenue, we literally have the ability to heal the world. Thank you. Amen to that. And I think he's a beautiful testament to the, the power of uh, being vulnerable and sharing your own story and how powerful that is to the point you just made. Exactly. Mm. Wow, man. I'm getting fired up. I feel like I'm going to punch through the wall. <laughs> yeah, I could talk for hours to you, you know, so I appreciate it. And yeah, we could take this in so many different directions. So that's another thing that I was excited to talk with you today, definitely. I've got, I got a question. And this is a bit left field, but I want, to, I want to know what it means to you. So what does vulnerability mean to you? I've never thought about defining it, but I guess it means to be willing to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to not just help others, but to help yourself, I think, but it's also to grow. We need to be vulnerable to grow and to develop relationships. So I don't know how else to boil it down more than that, I guess. Vulnerability to grow, man. You fucking just hit the nail on the head. That is stunning. Yeah. That is stunning. Like, I think a lot of people are scared of it, man. I think a lot of people are scared of being vulnerable. They're scared of the unknown. They're scared of, um, 
they're scared of the unknown. They're, they're, they're fearful of it, right? They're fearful of, oh, no, I can't seem like I'm vulnerable. I feel vulnerable. I'm like, you're a fucking human. Like, you need to feel the emotion, right? And you need that to grow. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful point. So we have to be vulnerable and we have to be uncomfortable to grow. And that's, you know, that reminds me of a quote I learned day one in graduate school was growth and comfort do not coexist. Oh, so if we, if we want to grow, we are essentially going to be uncomfortable along the way is kind of what I take out of that. And that's why I've just learned to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, frankly, in my journey. Wow. Wow. Do you go back to that quote mentally whenever you, you feel a little bit off being uncomfortable? I do. Cause you know, I, I, like, for example, I've been to group therapy, you know, probably 140 times or something like that for about an hour time I go and I still get nervous a lot of the time, most of the time, but it's easy to just suppress that because I've, I've had that same nervous, stupid feelings that come up over and over and over again. I'm just so used to just pushing that squash and that pushing that aside, even though I still feel it and it's kind of silly, but I still get it. It's real. you know. <laughs> no, I feel that a lot, man. Like I, I hear you. I understand that a lot. Like literally I've been coaching in some capacity 11 years and I've never coached a class or a person and not been nervous before it. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not the only crazy person, you know? Um, I don't think that will ever go away, but also like it just shows you care. Right. And it's, it's funny because it actually made me um, ask a particular question. Like if I'm just kind of chatting some shit and make pulling people out of themselves and just making them laugh for a second before we get into the nitty gritty of the, of, of coaching. I'll be like, is anyone nervous? You know, and you might get some people like, yeah. I was like, good, because it shows you care. That's it. Good. That, I love it. Again, you simplify it so beautifully. Yep. A lot better than I could. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uni's not my thing, man. Like uh, academics, it's not my thing. I need to be a little bit practical. I need to, uh, rather than be put between two lines and be like, go for it, go for gold, like figure this out. I usually need to be left in an open space and let the mind kind of, go where it needs to go i say i'm crazy uh, but we all are maybe some more than others yeah i just got to be careful how i use that term because of where i work so yeah i can't yes. use that term is all i'm saying really yeah oh i think it's got um i don't use it in a negative term and i think it has got a negative connotation to it and i guess me with the very dark humor that we have from back home is like okay we're gonna we're gonna say and joke about some things so it no longer has a negative connotation right um, and the sense of we all have our own unique way of mentally processing some things. And if like society or whatever labels you as something, whatever, that's fine. You're you and you're unique and that's beautiful for it. And I, I, I do not mean that in any, in any negative sense of the word. Yeah. But I understand. Yes. You need to be a little bit more careful than I do. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, like a fucking fitness coach and a, and a poet, right? I'm not in a, in a clinic. Yeah, but but you're trying to tackle a tough su subject. I mean, that's where your focus is, is what mental health? If it's that generally where you focus a lot of your topics, just with the broad umbrella, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, man. So basically, you know, like everything that I do um, is can be whittled down to one, uh, one sentence of bridging the gap between mental and physical health. So it's like, you know, most of the time, if I'm in the fitness sense, I'm either one-on-one -on -one with people, which is less and less these days, or it could be online or, or catching up with people online or writing stuff and all that type of stuff. We're going super into the physical side, but I love coaching coaches. 
right? And um, uh, my previous role just just passed was predominantly just coaching coaches. And it's like, dude, if someone comes in, they're a complicated thing, right? You can't just like focus on the physical. You've got to focus on the person. And I, and I, I'm going to quote myself of teach the movement, but coach the individual, right? The movements are going to stay the same, but the person is going to change. So you're going to have to adapt the way you need to portray yourself for them to understand, not the way you want to tell it to say it. That's beautiful. And I've never thought of it about it so tersely. And again, one more time, I got to write it down. It's coach the, uh, I don't know. T- teach the movement. Yeah. Coach the individual. Okay. I'll definitely have to be using that. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, um, you know, when you change as well, you know, we, we stand at the front and they're learning from us. Okay. People come into your clinic. They're learning from you. They're coming for your expertise. We're also learning from them. Right. And a lot of the time we're learning more from them than they're learning from us, which is a crazy wild thing. And it's a little nugget that I usually put in a coach's head. So, Hey, if I coach a class or if you coach a class and there's 12 members in front of you, they have the opportunity most of the time, because most of the time they don't learn from each other, which you try and change. But most of the time they have the opportunity to learn from one person. You have the opportunity to learn from 12 in 60 minutes. That's crazy. You take 10 classes a week. That's 120 people. You know, you do that for a year. That's a lot of people. man. It's a lot of learning. Yes. I I consider myself a forever student. (laughs) I'm always learning no more done with academics, but I'll be a forever student. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I attend the university of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's usually what I'll tell people to make, my, make myself so, sound smarter than I actually am. I attend the university of life. <laughs> I got, I got three questions. Right. And I'm super, super buzzed to hear what you got to say. So first one, what's the greatest piece of life advice you've ever received? Oh man. You know, I kind of thought this was coming since I've listened to your podcast <laughs> here at the end. Um, let me see. Uh, you know, I had a hard time with this and, and the worst. I frankly don't have a good answer for the worst, but um, the best piece of life advice, you know, I couldn't nail it down to one terse saying or one, you know, one one person that really nailed it home to me. But I feel like in retrospect, it was uh, the echoes of recommendations that I had upon departing my career. My first two years, I kind of told you in the beginning, where everything and more I achieved professionally, but I kind of grew very discontented personally. So I was ready to move on in my career. I had my heart set on dialysis. That was where I was going to work. So that was where I was convinced I was going to go from one career to the other. And then I essentially was talked out of it. So I feel like over and over again, Jason, why do you want to work in the dialysis clinic? Jason, are you sure you want to work in blank, blank? And I just, it really struck me. So I guess it was kind of, indirect or unintentional a good advice I felt like I was talked out of what I had my heart set on now the reason why I call it serendipity is that was part of the reason why I didn't end up going that route and I ended up just kind of giving up on my what my plans were my plans were in concrete I was ready to accept a position but I ended up deciding against it and and that's where I ended up stumbling upon a position of behavioral health and which if I never would have done that, I never would have found a more heightened passion for being a dietitian foca- focused. 
I probably wouldn't have found that as I was warned by my former colleagues. I wouldn't have found that in a dialysis clinic. I would have got burnt down in a couple of years. Now I've at least it lasted four years and I became a published author on the topic. So I've been able to, I guess, understand something on a deeper level, but I'd be able to help people on a deeper level at a more specific population. So to me, that means a lot and it's a loaded answer, but um, it wasn't any specific advice. It was just that repeated cautionary statement, Jason, I don't think you really, are you sure you want to work there? And, and it turned into serendipity or fate, I guess, is kind mm. of what opened the door up to something that I'm so grateful for in retrospect. Yeah, you've seen someone else's perspective, right? And I guess the, the universe was kept repeatedly telling you because you kept ignoring it, right? You're like, no, 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 I, I want to do this. No, no, I want to do this. Oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do this, you know? And you found something that you've done incredibly well in, even in, even in four years, man. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. Um, do you have a worst? I really had a hard time nailing this down. Um, worst piece of advice somebody gave me. I honestly can't think of anything just more than generic advice, you know? Um, no, honestly, nothing strikes me because I've never been motivated by money. So I guess any advice about um, doing something for the sake of money, you know, I just can't, that's bad advice and a lot of times because even though it might be important, yes, absolutely. That's not what I'm seeking. Not what motivates me really is money. Mm. You know, people don't get into to dietetics to, for money by no means, you know. Mm. No, I understand so. that. Like, and you know, it's, that's the worst advice for you. And it kind of touches on if someone is motivated by by cash then great like you know that's we're not talking down on it like that's your thing go do your thing but for you personally as the as the individual in front of me like that would be bad advice for you individuality mate like embrace it you know i suppose weird answers not a very clear answer but hey that's all that came to mind <laughs> brother life isn't clear you know what i mean like it is a very weird thing indeed what, what, what's three words you tell your younger self? Yeah, um, I guess, you know, the ones like nailed down, I give a contraction here. It'll be okay, I suppose. Mm. You know, because I feel like anxiety is something I identified with at a young age. And that's part of why I felt a natural calling to falling into behavioral health specialty. Um, you know, so it's a little bit of a personal struggle in terms of that. So I guess just, you know, just, It'll be okay. That's something maybe a lot of us need to hear and just be reassured. You know, a lot of times maybe we just worry too much or we live in the future. We live in the past, right? You know, we let a lot of those sentiments guide us day to day. And so I guess to just, I don't know, just a subtle reminder that could be profound or it could be silly to some people, right? <laughs> no, I think being present is, is really important, man. I think a lot of people need to, to work on that, myself included. Um, sometimes my head can get up in the clouds in the sense of I've got a million and one things that I need to do and keep spinning those plates so they don't hit the floor. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? I'm like, Alex, put your feet on the ground. That's where you are, mate. Okay. If things hit the ground, you can pick it back up, right? It'll be okay. Don't worry about it. If you need to take some time off, take some time off. You need to go crazy, go crazy. Like, it'll be okay. I think that's really powerful again, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Brother, I really appreciate your time. Let, let people know where you can find your book. 
Yeah, um, it is available. You know, the easiest route for most folks want to find it on Amazon. Um, it is called Foods for Thought, Understanding the Impact of Diet and Lifestyle on Mental Health. Kind of a mouthful there. Um, it's also available on Barnes and Nobles online. I'm not sure how international that is, but that's another major book chain um, so. in the States. Yeah, um, so in local bookstores, at least in Arizona, I haven't, um, haven't been able to go introduce myself to managers outside of Arizona, but mm. I'm working on it. I'm going to go state by state, do a little uh, um, uh, cross-country road trip in a few months, hopefully, and stop by some different bookstores uh, in wow. different states, hopefully. But so it's a lot of work, man, to do all outside of uh, full-time work, so step by step it's chugging along keep working on it you know fuck yeah man i've got a little piece of paper um somewhere um that's basically a tally of all the book rejections of I've, I've ever received and i think i'm up to like 37 now let me understand did you publish i'm not aware or you're trying to get a publishing deal no no i've, I've published a book yeah okay i'm so trying to this was, yeah that was self-published um and these are either um independent bookstores that didn't get back to me like tr uh, tossed the book said no publishers said no like all the no's i was like cool i'm just gonna keep tallying it up you know and i'm up to like 37 which is quite funny you know i think it's a beautiful thing because a lot of people would take that as something that would be daunting or intimidating but i think that's beautiful and some people could take that as motivation mm -hmm. you seem like you're strong enough a character you could take that as motivation and good for you you know every you get another 37 no's you're gonna maybe you're gonna find one really important yes on that 38 you know that reminds me of my book editor i spent an entire weekend looking at about 40 uh applications of editors who wanted to apply for the job i posted before it was written um for the book and, and i ended up i think it was number 41 was who I, I, who I ended up deciding on the very final resume after I was exhausted and I was done. I was like, all right, I got 10 awesome candidates. I could hire any of these. And I looked at that 41 and I was like, wow, that was it. She stood out to me and just everything I was looking for and more. And it was just, it was a, a, keep an open mind, right? Mm. Um, yeah, just wait, you know, give everybody in just a fair shot. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Like at the end of the day, you can have as many no's as you want. You only need one yes, yeah. you know, and I, I, I find it comical again, going back to the dark humor of like, okay, motherfuckers, like, you know, you might see this thing that I've not really said much about myself and okay. Like the first book is definitely irrational. It's, it's supposed to be part of a series. It's poetry, right. On mental health. And you can, um, the first one you, you read it and you're like, fuck, this is a dude that's like kind of a little bit lashing out a lot, of, a lot in pain, a lot of bullshit kind of went on. I can't really put my finger on exactly what it was, but it was definitely some, some wacky stuff. And then the second one, it's kind of a little bit more like philosophical and soft in a way, but harsh in another way. Um, and you, it, the point is you see the transition and the growth, right? But the growth needs to start from somewhere. And that somewhere for, for me on the shit end of the town was a bit, you know, violent, a bit crazy. Like, and that, needed to be a depiction in something that was that was the book and i kind of yeah i find it comical i'm like all right well you know you didn't know i was i didn't have a place to live you know you you didn't have people trying to kick your door down with with knives trying to rob you like i'm like okay cool no problem like you'll you'll hear the story one day not in a sense of like i i wrote something fuck like i might be paraphrasing i was um i wrote something in the sense of i hope everybody forgets 
who I am, or I think I hope everyone forgets my name to prove that the deed is more important than the doer. Like it's got nothing to do with me, man. Like yeah. I don't. Well, it's profound. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Take my name off it. It doesn't matter. Like I don't want anything. I'm just kind of going to do my thing, hopefully help someone along the way. Right. But the, the, the thing that was done, the thing that was said, the words that were written, whatever, the research that was done, that is the important thing because someone did it right, to help yeah. other, someone else. Not yeah, the, right. The contribution that you provided. Like, sense, right? yeah. yeah. You know, it's got now to do with the, the individual, right? I might be called Alex, but I don't want to be like Alexander the Great. It's like, don't, no, don't, don't fucking worship me. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to drift off into nothing. But I love it because you're going to keep up the good work. It sounds like regardless of what kind of, uh, what kind of, um, I guess, um, immediate feedback you might receive for the better or for the worse, you're going to keep focused and you're going to keep growing. It sounds like you're focused you, on the most important. Yeah. I mean, the second book's going to be out in the next couple of weeks. That's all. Oh, that's exciting, man. I'll be looking out for that. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I, uh, brother, I appreciate your time, man. I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you're busy and it's uh, Sunday, right? It is Sunday evening. Yeah. Yeah. So you go enjoy your Sunday, man. Like I appreciate you so much and everything that you've done. Like we'll talk soon. And whenever I get over to the States, like Phoenix is on the cards, mate. That's awesome. Yeah. You let me know. I'd love, love to uh, show you around uh, the city here. And, um, I wasn't sure you still in New Zealand. Yes. I'm in New Zealand at the moment. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you enjoy the rest of your uh, Monday uh, afternoon and it was excellent to be here with you today, Alex. I really enjoyed it. And thank you again for inviting me. Thank you, brother. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. All right, man. You keep up the good work. All right, man. Enjoy Sunday. Peace. Right. Bye everybody.